0: Hello, and welcome to The Scott Mize Show, a podcast focused on health, diet, bodybuilding, and philosophy. I interview experts, doctors, coaches, and N equals one case studies to answer your questions about improving health, achieving your best physique, and making sustainable progress. We'll cover topics from carnivore and ketogenic diets, to bodybuilding, to life philosophy, and everything in between. Enjoy the show. Are you looking to lose fat, gain muscle, or improve your health, or all of the above? Interested in working with me one-on-one? Stop spinning your wheels, because I offer personalized coaching where I can help you reach your goals, whether it be fat loss, muscle building, improving your health, or all of the above. I provide tailored nutrition, training, and supplementation advice, one or all of them together, with 24 seven ongoing support to help guide you every step of the way. You can email me at scott.mize at gmail.com. Click the link in the description of this episode to schedule your free consult call to go over your goals, answer questions with no obligation. Let's take your physique or health journey to the next level. This episode is brought to you by LMNT Electrolytes. This month, we're switching it up with an exclusive offer that's only for VIP LMNT partners, including Carn Cast listeners. You can now receive this free sample pack along with any regular purchase when you use my custom link, which is provided in the show notes or my Instagram link in bio. That's drinklmnt.com forward slash carn Cast, all one word. And as I said, I'll include the link in the show notes. LMNT electrolytes are convenient, evidence-based and delicious and get yours today to help support the show. Thank you. Jeff Smith from Colorado Craft Beef is a co-owner with his wife, Kara. Jeff is a veteran of the cattle and food agriculture industries with a wealth of knowledge about the practices, supply chain, and economics of beef and other animals. Jeff has been on the show several times to cover topics around being a modern-day cattle rancher, supply chains, differences in online meat companies, and more. Welcome back to the show, Jeff.
1: How's it going, man? Good to see you. How are you? Uh, going good. It's a busy time of year and we've had some crazy stuff going on with the business. And I think last time we talked, we'd just taken down our own feed yard. So, uh, we're in the second year of that operation. Uh, with some of the other stuff, we're up to about 30 employees across all the companies. So that's no, uh, short level of workload. Wow. (laughs) But yeah, can't complain.
0: Cool. Um, yeah. So I wanted to talk a little bit more about that um what what has changed for colorado craft beef in the last year and like what are you excited about for the future
1: yeah uh well you know like we've been doing since we started we're we're being creative we're getting outside the norms of traditional agriculture in a way that uh puts us in positions that uh, quite frankly i feel like we're leading the industry um you know starting to think in ways that grandpa and you know other generations may not totally understand and in that you know we brought in some new partners and uh we we took the next step beyond the feed yard and actually we uh acquired our own harvest facility uh just this summer so now uh the only part of the chain that we don't own is we don't have a cow calf herd so we still source calves from other ranches that we dictate health protocols to, but uh, from that point all the way through the finishing and the processing and the fulfillment,
0: uh, we own that entire value chain now. Wow. That's amazing. Um, what does that allow you to do product um, wise?
1: Product wise, uh, uh, you know, what I would say is uh, join the mailing list and keep an eye out because there's a lot of product development happening right now uh actually we had a new product come out just last week on the test batch that i probably had too many of them last weekend just sitting in the in the building working and found myself snacking too much <laughs> but it's clean snacks so you know it's it really that bad for you yeah um so there's been just a ton of expansion within the business a ton of opportunities uh and we've we've really expanded our network in a way that I'm unaware of anybody else in the beef space doing, uh, especially coming from where we came from in a you know small startup mindset. So it's been really fun to, you know, found Colorado Craft Beef with Kara, but then also see that mission and that vision strike out into a spot that, you know, for humbly we didn't even know was possible, mm. and uh, you know it, the whole. The whole uh, process of acquiring the harvest facility and you know raising the funding to get that done—I mean, that whole process was two and a half years. Wow, from stem to stern. Um, but it's been uh, probably the craziest way to describe it is—it's been a lot of a lot of heartache in trying to make sure that what we're doing is correct. But the coolest part is watching it every turn you know, the business model that we've constructed, the partnerships we put in place of people like yourself or Dr. Baker or whoever um, be approved time and time again by people that are in the food space or just love steak or, you know, serial entrepreneurs that we can talk about shortly. To watch that exceptional level of business concept proof come through has been so fulfilling. It's been so fun. Uh, and then take that, you know, to the generational side of the ranch, which is really why this company exists. It's It's been a roller coaster of emotion. But the coolest part is, is actually the, probably the scariest part for a lot of people. I've had people ask me, like, man, aren't you scared that the deal's done? I'm like, no, no. For the last nine months, I've been scared the deal was going to evaporate. Yeah. I've been scared that, you know, our proof of concept wasn't going to stick through. I've been scared that, you know, funding was going to fall apart. Uh, you know, or you know, you can read any number of business books about imposter syndrome. Like, mm. yeah, oh man, do we really belong in the spot that we're in? And and I, I believe it is that humility that keeps things organic, it keeps them fresh, it keeps them, you know, very transparent with a level of integrity that, you know, remains unquestioned. And that's been, you know, some of those pillars that you just don't budge on Uh, really finding the right partners that respect those same things was really the biggest hurdle. And once that happened, man, it's been just a race. It's been so much fun.
0: Yeah. And um, what, what does owning more of the supply chain allow you to do in terms of um, like quality control and, uh, scale as well
1: well the good news is uh the harvest facility that we acquired is actually the same harvest facility we've been using yeah um so you know we already had an aligned mission we already knew the type of product that the management team at the facility put out and luckily we were able to actually uh get the management team to stick stick around so we didn't miss a day of operations uh the leadership team that's running that facility stayed on uh and not in part but in whole and you know we're able to actually put these two regional businesses in a position that together we can do so much more than we could do independently uh that you know we're able to do things like vacation time and, and get more creative to treat people in a manner that they should be treated and it allows all of us to just do business better um so instead of that famine mindset that really rules a lot of agriculture, it's allowed us to be a lot more strategic and, quite frankly, generous in what we can do. Because instead of having you know the typical rancher mindset where you know you have to watch every penny, and I totally understand that, uh, it's allowed us to own enough of the supply chain we can flex um, through different. Through different company operations to allow for capital to land in different buckets, or take care of people, or do more strategic partnerships, or you know, look at automation, look at new inventory systems, do things that as individual businesses you couldn't do before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then from a sheer product standpoint, for Colorado Craft Beef, we're able to help run that harvest schedule at that facility in a way that is as we start to be more successful we can control our own destiny uh, because like you've probably heard from a lot of other ranchers on your show or just in the industry you know the harvest slots that we're using today are slots we spoke for in 2021 wow so if you're growing your business by 40 50 100% annually how do you begin to forecast for that yeah you know a, a 10 or 20% miss on that forecast is still a massive difference in numbers so, it gives us an opportunity to flex, and then to also do what's best for both businesses. Um, work within the region to, you know, harvest as many cattle as we can for the region, not just ourselves. Um, so, you know, it's that aligned incentives thought. You know, rising tide lift all boats, or whatever other metaphor you want to use. Uh, it's given us just an opportunity in the marketplace to really consider the greater good and do that.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And is this something you see uh, a lot of online beef um, ranchers doing? Uh, is becoming more integrated or is that pretty rare? I think it's pretty rare. Um, I see
1: some companies moving that direction. Uh, there's a few in California that are fully integrated. Uh, what I see more in the direct-to-consumer you know, online beef sales space is I see a lot of people trying to use digital pixie dust to sell a model that really doesn't have a story Mm. Uh, i see a lot of people sourcing beef and putting it under a new label or sourcing product and calling it something else uh, or importing beef from another country and trying to call it something else Mm. because they're trying to capture the market because really it's exceptionally difficult to produce all your own cattle then it's a even bigger deal from a capital standpoint too own all the cattle, now hold inventory, um, hire people. Because if you're a rancher, you're not set up to do e-commerce. You're not set up to do online digital marketing. You're not set up to do email stuff. There's so many different things outside of the purview that you have to be intentional in where you're headed. And that was something Kara and I did from the jump was, you know, we're not going to sell 10 a year and then try to grow. Uh, you know we came out of the out of the gates in 2018 fulfilling product nationally on the first day, which was not without its own level of investment. So you know I say that hat in hand that we were in a fortunate position to be able to fund that. yeah, um, and and we did bootstrap it. there's there are some people that are like, well, you know the family ranch, it's like, you know respectfully I love a love the family ranch and I love what it stands for. but Kara and I did it ourselves. yeah, um, that was our way of. Of going to the next generation. And quite frankly, in the ranching and farming model, that's a lot more valuable to other generations that you struck out and you made it on your own. And now you can incorporate some of the other processes yeah. rather than, well, you should allow me to go this other direction and fund it. That that's not the same as building your own company for nothing. Uh so it's very interesting. There's there's a lot of dichotomy of of process and thought process when you start to look at generational farms and how they want to expand because you know you could have a two thousand head mother cow operation but you sell calves you might keep yeah you might keep yearlings but you're very seldom going to hold those cattle for two years until they turn into steak Mm -hmm. um and the cattle space is the hardest one to do, right? If you want to go direct to consumer with chickens, chickens have a, you know, six to eight week lifespan to be to full maturity. Yeah. Um, pigs, if you're harvesting hogs, you know, they're four to six months old. You have a significantly shorter capital term. Yeah. Uh, the cattle industry is the hardest one, which is why the cattle industry is the least integrated industry in the protein sector in the U.S. Mm. Because... You just, you can't continue to carry that level of capital. Yeah. What? How long is it for the cattle industry? 18 to 24 months is typical. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, calves are born in March of, you know, 2023. The earliest they will likely be harvested is going to be June or July of 2024. More likely is they're going to be harvested in late 2024 when they're around that 18-month mark. Yeah. And exactly. now when you start talking about that, you know, currently a, a finished steer uh, price on that animal is about $2,500. <laughs> so now do that at scale. Oh, we only have 100. <laughs> that's still a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and then if you consider that when a lot of people want to bash the, the bigger producers or even, you know, the packers, which that's a whole other conversation, they're harvesting 6,000 a day. Wow. Now do that times twenty five hundred head or twenty five hundred dollars a piece, and when you sell cattle to the packers, they pay you the next day. The amount of working capital they are turning is incredible.
0: Yeah, that's crazy.
1: That's what everybody says. We got to upend that system. I'm like, hold on, man. <laughs> there yeah. are mount there are mountains of money that are working to make sure that we can all feed each other.
0: Yeah, good uh, luck. let's understand the system before we start to throw dynamite at it. Yeah. Yeah, there's a reason the economies of scale work that way. Yeah.
1: Well, and to give you an idea, you know, now that we're in the harvesting space, the cost to harvest the steer and put them in a box, our cost is about two and a half times what the big guys pay. Mm. Because we're not at that scale. We just cannot move that quickly. We are not that efficient. Yeah. So so when people are like, Man, your product is a little more, it's like, yeah, we're smaller scale. We have a smaller feed yard we harvest you know number of head per week not number of head per day yeah um and that costs more but with that you get a little different peace of mind you know you get a little different quality because we can age for 21 days like we've talked about on other podcast yeah. uh, but every one of those steps outside of you know our place if you're one of our competitors down the road you maybe have your calves but there's There's four or five other places in the market that profits are taken that the rancher doesn't get. So when you're buying from a rancher, you're hopefully, if that rancher is good at math, that's a whole other conversation. Hopefully, (laughs) you're hopefully helping their model to be more sustainable.
0: Yeah, yeah. One one of your strengths, Jeff, is you come from kind of a business world, Mm -hmm. uh, and I I feel like that has helped you survive so much <laughs> um yeah i
1: i refer to myself as a recovering private equity guy okay
0: yeah <laughs> that's a good that's a good uh i think i am too in a way <laughs> yeah
1: um well it's it, the hard part is and i mean this with all the love in the world for my brothers and sisters and ag if all you've ever done is work on the farm yeah even if you did go to college how broad is your knowledge base How creative can you truly get? You know, hopefully you're listening to podcasts. Hopefully you're trying to find other knowledge. But I ran into that in my last corporate job. There was a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton of experience at the high levels of the company. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're talking some guys with 20 or 30 years. Like I think the shortest amount of tenure of anybody on the leadership team was like 25 years. Wow. That's awesome. That and they're very good at that business. But man, when you need to pivot or you need to get creative, or you need to find another way, where do you find that knowledge? Where do you find that other data? You, you can't. Uh, there, where, there's no well that was ever drilled. Um, and I think that's, that's what's helped Kara and I, is we both came from corporate America. We understand what has to happen at the ranch, but we also understand that if you're gonna ship with UPS, these are the different wickets you gotta hit. Or if you're manufacturing boxes, somebody has to be functional. And that cross-collaboration of multiple of multiple businesses is one of those things that you can't read. You have to you have to live it.
0: Mm. And
1: that makes it functional in a way that it's hard to describe. Yeah. And and to that, you know, it's the same thing as Kara's dad, who runs the family ranch still. Man, you couldn't sit that guy down for a week with a recorder and get half the knowledge that guy's learned. You just wow. can't. There's no way to impart the knowledge that makes him very successful. Yeah. So how do you recreate that? Yeah. Um, you now, how do you take 50 years of experience <laughs> and put that in a white paper? Um, yeah. You know, I've he's probably forgotten more about the cattle industry than we'll ever know. Um, but it's through that just years of putting up with it that he's gotten there, and it's that creative outside the box mindset that. I think keeps things moving in a way. And that's where I wonder a lot of the people in the direct to consumer space, especially in the beef side, I don't think they're being as creative as they could be. Um, We actually talk to competitors probably two or three times a month, helping them to understand like, hey, if you're shipping from Tampa, Florida, oh, I want to ship nationally, why? You (laughs) you cannot compete with me going to Seattle. You just can't. Yeah. Now you're in Tampa. You could crush it. You have a ton of people over there. Yeah. Let's let's figure out the way to make your model work best. Mm. I mean, my biggest strength is we're in the middle of the country. We can hit a lot of places pretty economically. Yeah. And then depending on which way the freight's moving, we can catch those waves. Yeah. Well, if you're in L.A. trying to ship inland, that's a tough road to hoe because there's a lot of other freight moving that way. Um. And then the hard part is the beef. The beef chain, especially those those other produ- producers, will make a bet because they don't have the time to do the research. They don't have the time to understand the intricacies of twenty seven processes. And before they know it, they're either priced out of the market because they can't get efficient, or they're losing money and they didn't know it. Yeah. And that's been that's been the hard one to watch. Yeah lose a lot of money that way very
0: quickly <laughs> yeah
1: i mean it and i mean i've said this on some of your some of our previous interactions and i audit my own stuff three or four times a year
0: <laughs> yeah my own
1: process is my own pricing like i'm constantly trying to make sure that i don't have holes in the boat that i don't know about yeah but yeah. if we were a, a tenth of the size we are i'd have significantly less time to invest because i'd have to be making money elsewhere yeah you know, because the kids still got to eat. Believe it or not, they are very insistent on, you know, regular meals, and <laughs> snacks at regular intervals, and there's not a lot of flex that we can have in that. <laughs> um, so it's it's just a matter of resource and where you apply it. Um, yeah. And that's what led us to
0: finding the partners that we did. That's great. So, yeah, um, so I'd love to talk a little bit more about those partners, Um What have been some of the impactful partnerships you've built, especially over the last year or so?
1: Yeah, well, uh, I'll kind of give the genesis of where the partnership came from. Uh, You know, when we started looking into the harvest facility, we had some private equity types that were going to back what we were doing. But as we got deeper and deeper into that, you know, coming from that space, I'm like, man, these guys are not going to help us sell any product. Mm. These guys are not going to help us automate. They're not going to help us optimize. They're going to be a check. Yeah. But but that's not exactly all we need. Uh, And who do we find that's aligned with our mission? Who do we find that's aligned with our vision? Who do we find that loves what we do? You know, I don't want to have to sell an investor. I, I don't want to be out begging for partnerships. And, and if our mission and our company is really doing what we think it stands for, we shouldn't have to work that hard for that. And luckily, I won't say it wasn't hard work, but the mission alignment when I first started talking to our partners was just unquestionable. Uh, so I actually listened to a podcast. I was I'm a big fan of Jocko Willink. I've listened to his stuff for years. And I listened to a podcast with him and Pete Roberts, and Pete is the original founder of Origin, which actually a uh, shout out to Origin, I'm wearing one of their hoodies today. Um, and they talked about, they manufacture everything in the United States. They source their cotton from Texas. It is US, it's U.S. manufacturing through and through to you know help forgotten communities to work in regions that don't offer jobs like you can. And the craftsmanship side of what they do—making hoodies and boots and jeans and jujitsu geese and all the things—and I listened to that podcast with Jocko and Pete, and I sent it to Kara. And this was like summer of 2022. And I said, "Listen to this. This, this is this is our story, albeit yeah. different players, different product, but the story is the same." Yeah. You know, the number of people that told them, you cannot manufacture in the U.S., you cannot compete, uh, you won't find the craftsmanship, you can't do it, you're you're going to be too small, you're going to get crushed. I mean, it's a three-hour conversation, and I'm just driving down the freeway, and I'm going, my God, that is the same story. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, we've talked quite a few times, Scott, and I think you've determined I'm kind of a social, social guy. And luckily I was able to to get a connection to the guys at Origin. And I got on the phone with Brian Littlefield, who's one of the founders of Jocko Fuel and one of the very first employees at Origin. And we started talking and that was July of 22. And springtime of 2023, we had a deal pretty much hammered out. And then we brought in the rest of the partners we needed to make the deal work. And in August we closed and you know the the partnership group is unbelievable it's it's you know to use a baseball reference you know you're in new york right murderers row with the yankees we basically built murderers row of who wants to sell steak and support america and we couldn't be more honored with who's on our team yeah uh so you know that the team members uh, i'm gonna leave a few out. but the team members that are you know most known, uh, Jocko Willink, Brian and Pete. Uh, so Brian Littlefield and Pete Roberts. Uh, those three gentlemen are actually the founders of Jocko Fuel. Uh, Staff Sergeant Travis Mills, who is a quad amputee from the 82nd Airborne, who is by the way one of the funniest guys I've ever met. <laughs> um, Dave Burke, who is a Top Gun instructor, uh, Marine Corps officer, fighter pilot. Leif Babin, who is Jocko's partner in Echelon Front, Um, you know, just, and and some of these people are partners. Some of these people just liked it, work with us. Um, And, you know, what's really fun is, uh, you know, our mutual friend, Dr. Sean Baker, who has supported Colorado Craft Beef from our inception, uh, partnered with us as well. And, Man, it's it's been fun. Uh, then we also have uh, Chris Cavallini from Nutrition Solutions, okay. uh, meal, a meal prep program out of Tampa. They do great work. Uh, the guy is shredded. You watch his videos; it makes you feel like a big sack of crap.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but man, you know the coolest thing out of every one of those guys—if it's Dr. Baker or Travis or Jocko himself those guys are the same guys in person that you would expect them to be based on everything you've seen about them. And that's the level of integrity that, and you don't fake that. And that's the the backbone of what makes Colorado craft beef what we are. And when you have that kind of mission alignment, you have that kind of social alignment and you have that kind of work ethic that, you know, just doesn't falter. It's been fun. And so what's funny is I've had people ask me, well, man, you have to go execute on all this stuff. Isn't that scary? No, not at all. (laughs) How do you not execute for Jocko? (laughs) I don't don't think that's an option. (laughs) Um, And then you meet some of those guys, like you meet Travis, who Travis is a quad amputee. He got blown up in Afghanistan. And he is the most funny, positive guy I think I've ever met. And I'm like, man, if that guy can be that positive and that forward thinking and that supportive of our mission, and how do we not reciprocate that? Yeah. And the team around us, you know, from, from everybody, from the guys working in the harvest facility to our business partners, uh, our bankers, like the synergy we're getting behind the mission and the movement has been so fun. Uh, and you know, the carnivore community, we were on with the meat mafia guys last week. Um, yeah. And then we were on with, uh, shoot, it's a radical health radio with heart and soil supplements. We did their show when we were down in Austin, but then at the same time on that same trip, uh, I went on, I went down to the B team jujitsu gym in Austin, got my butt whipped and then went and did their podcast that night. (laughs) (laughs) Um, just because they're like, hey man, you do stuff with Jocko Fuel. You're in town. Help, you know, come by. Let's go do a podcast. Um, yeah. Because of the integrity those guys at Jocko Fuel have and the network they have, it's it's so much fun to watch. You know what started literally out of our basement turn into what it's turning into, while still being able to maintain the brand identity that we have worked for years to cultivate and maintain has just been so cool
0: yeah yeah I mean it's it's amazing and I'm so happy for you Jeff and I'm I'm not surprised that they've been so happy to work with you because of your integrity and the brand you built around that um I've been always amazed by how, Um, dedicated you are to like doing everything you possibly can for your customers, always making good on everything you do, um, making sure every part of your business is 100% honest and focused on quality and focused on the best product you can possibly produce. Um, It like, it it all counts, Uh, it all adds up. And I think I've witnessed it a lot of people listening and a lot of your customers have witnessed it and um you know those things travel and so um it's it's amazing like you probably had a lot of pinch me moments uh meeting these people and being able to work with these people but uh you certainly earned it so you should be very proud
1: yeah it was pretty funny I had a really good buddy of mine uh shout out to Micah he and I've been friends for years and he's like my my business sounding board. Like, and he was one of the first guys that heard we were working on this deal, and he goes, "Dude, you're going to do that? This is early. This is like oh, yeah. our second or third conversation."
0: Yeah, and
1: he's like, "Yeah, you're definitely going to get that done." I was like, <laughs> "Man, I really appreciate the vote of confidence, but we'll see." <laughs> and we got it done, and uh, he and I were talking, and he goes, "How you feel?" This is like a month before we closed everything.
0: Yeah,
1: and I said, "You know, I." I waffle back and forth between, holy shit, we're going to do this, and holy shit, we're going to do this. Like, same concept, (laughs) just a mildly different inflection. Yeah, But, you know, to to anybody that's scared of their dreams, their ambitions, or whatever, man, if they're not scaring you, they're not big enough. Mm. You know, if it's not a little terrifying to wonder what you're going to do, and, and that doesn't, and I'm not saying entrepreneurship, I'm saying whatever. Yeah. If your health and wellness goals aren't a little bit daunting, are they worth pursuing? Yeah. You know, uh, like in some of our past conversations, the amount of weight I've lost, the journey I've gone through with just that, that was scary. Yeah. And and that constant drive to maintain that weight loss, you know, with two and a half years of just straight cortisol pumping through my body, right? Um you know, go out there and figure out what makes you tick, go out there and figure out what's going to drive you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being a little scared, being a little apprehensive, that's good. Yeah. You know, it's. I think it was Joe Rogan said is like, you know, if, a or it was, uh, yeah. Anxiety is a, an in, an inborn thing from when we were cavemen because if you didn't have a little anxiety, when the saber tooth tiger came around the corner, you were just going to stand there.
0: Like, yeah.
1: Um, so use that stuff to your advantage. Yeah. But you know, if life's complacent, and I mean, I, I know a fair number of people that make well into the six figures, they're anxious all the time. Some of that's self-imposed by bad spending habits, but <laughs> you know, not everybody can pull down six figures, not every region allows for that. But you know, take advantage when you can and don't overcommit, but still uh, you know, own your journey. It's, yeah. uh, it's crazy. Life's a crazy thing. And then just this morning I was sitting in a meeting in my office in here and our nanny comes in and she's like, Hey, we need your help in the house. And our, our nearly four-year-old, uh, Emma, she fell down and cracked her chin open and Kara's well, at the emergency room with her this morning or the, right now, like getting stitches and our three-year-old. Geez. Yeah. And I'm like, God dang it, man. Like, <laughs> you, you can't make this up. Like there's just, yeah. and well, last Monday, like, it's pretty funny because I, I've had some people, oh, man, it must be nice doing blah, blah, blah. I'm like, it must be nice, man. Like, a week ago Monday, we had a fire at the feed yard, like, and wow. I was out there fighting fire from five in the morning to two in the afternoon. Wow. Because we had some bales spontaneously combust. And the fire department's like, okay, it looks like you're safe. I'm like, you know, bring out another truck. They're like, no, <laughs> we can't, we can't use enough water to put a hay fire out. You know, if if it gets real bad, call us back. Wow, (laughs) and that's just a typical Monday. Like, yeah. Um. So it's not it's not cupcakes and unicorns. It's not without everyday challenges. Yeah. But man, the the opportunities in our world today are so incredibly immense.
0: Yeah.
1: The connections you can make and the the things you can build due to the connectivity
0: of our culture is so crazy. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a, an amazing time. Um, a lot of people talk, just talk negatively about how it's the worst of times. You know, social media is ruining everything. Um, things were so much better back then, but I think it's spectacular time to be alive in terms of the access and um, the breaking down of barriers in a lot of ways.
1: Um, yeah, I heard a keynote speaker at a meeting uh, earlier this year, and he was out of Montana. He was a logging, uh, a logger, actually. He was a civil engineer, I believe. And he said, You know, everybody wants to say how bad it is. And he yeah. flashes up a slide and he starts it basically. He started at the Civil War. And he goes, So, since the Civil War, which was arguably not a great time in American history, okay. it's like, let's look at all the other things you know, the, the expansion West. And, you know, then you had the pandemic and you had world war one, uh, you had world war two, you had the great depression. If we really zoom out and look at the last 150 years, you know, things are not perfect, but I would argue that you probably couldn't find a time that they were perfect. Yeah. But this is the single greatest time in human history, in my humble opinion. Um, while there are a lot of crazy things going on, I don't want to discount that. Mm. Um, but man, there is a light uh, that is shined on everything that didn't exist 40 years ago. Um, social media, for all of its negativity, is a exceptional tool that you know is being used for good in a lot of ways too. Yep. And I think, you know, life's really easy to think it's bad when all you do is look at the, the negative
0: things. Yeah, I think um, on the point of uh, challenging yourself and stress, I think there's a, a balance for everyone. Like mm-hmm. people, people are depressed and unhappy if they're just surrounded by cushions and not doing anything interesting or challenging. Um, but at the same time, like everyone has an amount of a certain level of stress that they can live within and sustain and actually be productive if you crank it up too high you're just like you're going to be worse at everything um so it's fine and and some people have a wider zone depending on how mm-hmm. resilient they are um but yeah I, I totally agree that you have to have um at least one form of challenge in your life hopefully multiple um, yeah well start. what i would
1: say is that that bandwidth of stress you can take is a muscle yep it's, it's going to be built over time you know a lot of my My personal ability to deal with some of this crazy stuff is actually from my early days in my career when I was running a construction company. Mm. The amount of stress and just continual bombardment of nonsense was unbelievable. And it kind of tempered me in a way that I'm like, oh, that's annoying, but I'll deal with it. (laughs) And I'm not saying that that's for everybody. I know people that, I mean, there's, you know, all the different employees operate different ways. Um, Certain people respond to certain stressors differently. Um, And that's not right or wrong. That's just different. Uh, But man, if you weren't finding a way to push outside your comfort zone, maybe try that a little bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's an excellent message to end on, Jeff. Thank you so much for coming on today. It's always awesome to chat with you. Um, Where can folks follow along and find you? Uh, as always, I'll have links in the show notes too. Yeah. Uh, you can follow us at Colorado
1: Craft Beef on all social. Uh, yeah. I think, except for Twitter, I think on Twitter X, whatever the heck they're calling it now, uh, <laughs> it is a hollow craft beef because of a character limitation. Okay. Um, we're being a little more active on YouTube. Uh, you can actually, if you follow our social, we're going to be dropping the launch video with Jocko and the rest of the partners. Uh, That actually, I was supposed to have final cut on that on Saturday. Uh, And then we're going into Q4. So, you know, a lot of holiday pushes, a lot of different trade shows, uh, and a lot of different opportunities for you to buy gifts for people. We do ship nationally. Uh, Probably the biggest thing we've changed in our model, Scott, actually, uh, we went to a free shipping model. So all of our standard boxes are now free shipping nationwide. So Amazing. Yeah. Uh, And then, you know, Maybe we should read up that CCAST code if you'd like to do that. We could read up that for the fourth quarter. Probably about time I send you another box. It's been a while, I think. (laughs) I love that, yeah.
0: Always appreciate it. Cool. 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 Thanks, 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 man. Absolutely, have a good one. Thank you for listening to the show. You can find The Scott My Show on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Please leave a comment, like, review, or share the podcast with your friends or followers. It helps more people find the show.